Well, my name's JD. I'm the associate pastor of training here at Mill City. Uh, and it's great to be back. Uh, I actually had the privilege of the last three weeks preaching at Elam Church just down the road uh, to represent Mill City in a way uh, as they're in sort of an interim period for their preaching. And so that was great. It was really uh, awesome to be with them. They're great partners with us in the Northeast neighborhood, and we really value our relationship with them. Uh, the last Sunday I was there, I, I subjected them to this thing where I, ha I had them record a greeting to you on my cell phone from stage, and I told them I would share that with you all. So uh, here it is. We might need to play it once or twice. It's pretty quick. <laughs> I, I love the voice at the end. Woo! Pretty sure that's Pastor Becky over there. But they appreciated... Uh, me being there, and we appreciate our relationship with them, so it was a great time. But it's great to be back with you and continue this series that we're in, uh, You Are What You Love. We're having this conversation about how our desires uh, shape who we're becoming. And uh, we're going to make a little pivot here in August towards the end of this series and talk about the practices that shape our heart, and specifically the practices that we practice in community with each other as a church. So today we get to talk about baptism uh, in anticipation of next week's baptism. So before we dive in, let's pray and welcome God into this time uh, where we approach the scriptures and discuss this this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, God, we thank you for your presence here. God, we pray for this school as students anticipate coming back here at the end of the month as teachers start to situate their classrooms. God, I pray that your presence would be known by them here, that they would be able to perceive it, know that something's different. God, we pray for peace in your name here as the school uh, is on the horizon. God, I also just pray that these moments that we have together to talk about baptism, uh, to go to your word, God, that you would be present. God, I just submit myself to you as a humble, broken man with a voice, um, curiosity about who you are, and a love for who you are, God. And I pray uh, that you would use the words that I've prepared today and whatever you want to say to speak to our community about this practice, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, how many of you can remember a time in your life or a day in your life that sort of changed your life forever? Maybe not for the best, but maybe for the best as well. One of the last days I can remember in my life is November... 14th, 2012. I had been dating this wonderful woman, Christian Ann, for quite some time, and uh, had been plotting this day for a long time, and my co-conspirator, her best friend, uh, Pastor Stephanie Williams, was helping me, and uh, I had gotten the ring and was ready to go, and then Hurricane Sandy came along, and it got stuck in New York, and so I had to delay our plans a week, and there was like 60 people involved, so when it came to November 14th, my anxiety level was like through the roof, uh, but the plan started to unfold. The night came. Uh, it was kind of a cold fall night. I decided to, to propose to her on the Stone Arch Bridge, so I had this master plan to like uh, Stephanie had told her they were going out for dinner, but actually we were going out for dinner, and I stole her away, and I think she kind of knew what was going on at that point. And then we walked down to the Stone Arch Bridge, and I had told her we were going to a restaurant across the river, and then we stopped there on the Stone Arch Bridge, and then I proposed. 
And uh, I thought the best way to describe what happened next would be for Stephanie, my co-conspirator, to narrate it for you through her iPhone that she was taking video with at the time. Now, just a disclaimer, uh, Stephanie was also very excited for this moment. So uh, let's listen to her walk through the events uh, in an excited tone. They're praying. They're praying. This is not a hug. This is a holy hug. Can you see them? They're praying. This is not a hug. This is prayer. Pass it on. I think she's letting him pray. That's a good sign. The prayer is a good sign, everyone. Okay, okay. He's doing something. He's saying he wants to take her picture or something like that. Oh, right Up on the thing. Oh, they're over there. Okay, okay can you see him? Yeah. You see her with the white jacket? Yes, yeah. Okay, he's taking her picture. How can you see this? I know. Because I know what's I happening. Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> the ring might be in the water. Okay, okay, he's down, he's down, he's down, he's down, he's down, he's down, he's down. They're hugging. Yeah, right now, no! Just so you know, Stephanie is always like that. I share an office with her, and she's just always excited. No, she was gracious enough to let me share that video. Uh, that was an awesome day in my life, a uh, day that I chose Christian Ann forever to be my wife. Um, and she said yes, as you heard on the video. And as we think about baptism today, one of the things that I notice is that in early Christianity, the first followers of Jesus Baptism was a day like this for them. It was a day that they chose Jesus. It was a way that they chose Jesus. It was a way that they chose to follow Jesus forever. And baptism for them was this celebratory moment. Maybe they didn't have iPhones and screaming maids of honor uh, there when they did it. But it was meant to be this momentous day that would change their life forever, this this ceremony, this ritual that demonstrated their choosing and identifying with Jesus' story. We've been in a series called You Are What You Love, and one of the findings we've had is you're shaped by what you choose in life. You're shaped by who you choose to give yourself to in life and what you choose to give yourself to. And baptism for Christians is the space in which we proclaim who we're choosing and what we're being shaped by. Now, I, I realize that in this community, there's a lot of different experience with baptism, maybe some skepticism about it, some mystery about it. Uh, some of us experienced uh, growing up in traditions where there was infant baptism, and others of us grew up in traditions with adult baptism. I grew up in a tradition like that, uh, in a Baptist tradition, and I always wondered why we called ourselves Baptists, and that meant everything other than the actual act of baptism meant what we thought about different things, our moral agenda in some uh, senses, or in some cases in the context I grew up in, and it had little to do with the actual act of baptism. And so today, I just want to unpeel the mystery of this a little bit, just want to press into baptism a little bit, 
and, and talk about the act of baptism uh, as it was done in the New Testament and what that means for us as we look to celebrate it, as some of us may be considering, is this a choice that I should make in my life? What is baptism? What does it actually mean for us? What does it actually mean for the Christian community? How is it shaping who we're becoming as a practice? So that's what I want to dive into this morning. And first, let's just start with where baptism emerged. So the history of baptism, baptism as we know it today, emerged first of all sort of uh, right before Jesus' time. And you remember John the Baptist in the Gospels took people to the river and dunked them in the river as a way of identifying with this movement that was growing, this movement that God was about to do this new thing. Uh, the, the mantra for that movement was repent and believe because the kingdom of God is near. So this, this baptism was a sign of identifying with that movement, with getting real with uh, the brokenness of their lives and jumping into the movement of what God was about to do. And, and Jesus himself uh, participated in that, I think in part to identify with this movement who anticipated God doing something new uh, in their midst. And then through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, the act of baptism got redefined around who he was. And by the time uh, he was resurrected and the church began, it was really a symbol of identifying with Jesus. As I said earlier, choosing Jesus, identifying with his story. And then when we get into the early church and the letters of the New Testament, Paul uh, very often uses it as this reminder for believers to look back to, for them starting this journey of following Jesus through their life. It's this keystone moment for them where things changed, their life changed, and he uses it to speak into their context. So the scripture I want to look at today, uh, Romans 1, uh, or Romans 6, 1 through 14, is really a text where Paul is speaking into the early church. And this church in particular in Rome is undergoing intense persecution, and it, it was dangerous to become a Christian for them, particularly because it, it, it was perceived as this anti-Caesar decision. Like this decision to go against this figure who is nearly God. And Christians said there is no other God but Jesus, but God himself. And so this was a really intense thing for them to choose in their day. And Paul, in this midst of this turmoil, this tension, this fear, is helping them by reminding them of their baptism. It's almost as if he's asking them to consider their baptism as like a wedding ring that, wedding ring that I where to remember my commitment to Christian Anne. He's almost recalling them to say, remember your baptism in that way so you remember who you chose and what that means for you. So let's dive into that text today and see what this could mean for us as we think about baptism. Now Paul had just finished talking about God's grace here, so he's going to kind of continue that thought as he talks about baptism here. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you know, or don't you know, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into, his, into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
For we know that our old self has been crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, but anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we can, he, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count, uh, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign over your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. But offer any part of yourself to the but do not offer any part to yourself to the sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are no longer because you are not under the law, but under grace. It's a long passage, I know, but it's rich with meaning, and I wanted to read it for you. And I think there's two primary things that Paul is saying about baptism here. He's saying baptism is about a change of leadership in your life. Baptism is about a change of leadership in your life. I, I created this slide just to help us visually work our way through that passage here. And I think primarily what, or one of the things that Paul is doing is juxtaposing different sorts of influences over our life. He talks about sin as this sort of thing that has mastery, like a master uh, oppressing a slave. So he talks about the oppression of sin, slavery, death, law and brokenness and juxtaposes that or compares it to the leadership of God that brings freedom, new life, resurrection, grace, and justice. And I think part of the argument that Paul is making is the transition from this is marked the keystone event of the transition where we choose God's leadership in our lives is baptism. Baptism marks the start of the journey towards the leadership of God in our lives, the freedom we experience in that, the new life that comes with the resurrection of Jesus, the grace that's available to us and the justice opposed to life living under the oppression of sin and brokenness in our life. He's juxtaposing the different sort of leadership we let influence our life. The second thing he's doing, it's subtle in verse 3, 4, and 5, but I think this is so rich with meaning. He's saying baptism is a sort of rehearsal of Jesus' story. Baptism is a sort of reenactment of Jesus' story that he lived while he was on earth and all that he accomplished. It's like this three-act play that we uh, do right then and there when we're baptizing folks into the Christian community. It's a reenactment of what Jesus did for us. So I, I want to break this down into three acts that show and demonstrate this. Act one, death and falling, or letting go of control. How many of you went to like a YMCA camp or like a, a Christian camp when you were growing up and did a trust fall? A few hands. Some of you are willing to admit you did it. I appreciate that. But do you remember the feeling, if you ever did that, or if you've just fallen, the, the feeling of helplessness, the feeling of being out of control? When we... Uh, uh, become baptized, there is this falling backwards. 
that symbolizes in a way uh, this identification of letting go of control, this identifying with Jesus' death, where he submitted to the will of the Father. You remember that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's saying, if there's any other way, God, but your will be done. And this is a way of identifying with this. Uh, It goes back to the story of Genesis where Adam and Eve tried to take control. The temptation from the devil in that garden was, God doesn't really know what's good for you. You should take control of your own life and find out what's good and evil. And that temptation is the basis of what exists in our own brokenness, isn't it? We try to seize control for ourselves. And sin having mastery over us, like Paul is saying, is an expression of that in his way. We don't trust God's leadership. That's at the root of it. And so the practice we do is identifying with Jesus' death, identifying with the surrender, this letting go of control. One author puts this sort of identification this way when he talks about the death that we sort of experience in baptism. He says, death is not just a physical dying, but a going to the full depth of things, hitting the bottom, beyond where we are in control. I have a tremendous respect for the AA community. And I think they get this better than anyone else. Maybe because their brokenness is in a more public fashion. But they get step number one, that we realize we were powerless to change our situation. Every piece of transformation starts there. Our identification with Jesus starts with a falling. Sin is an oppressor that controls us, and sin cannot be defeated by our own will. Only through this sort of death, this death of our own desire for control and surrender, will God have the power to change our lives. Falling in baptism proclaims that we cannot save ourselves. Act two, burial or immersion, facing the chaos of our lives. There's this theme that runs out uh, through the Bible with water, uh, and it starts back in Genesis where God's spirit hovered over the chaos or the water. And in ancient text, the water is viewed as this symbol for chaos. And so this act of being immersed in water, being under the water, experiencing the chaos of water, is this sort of identification that Jesus gives us the strength to face, gives us the strength to face the chaos that's in our life, to face the brokenness in our life. There's something beautiful that happens when we name our own brokenness. It gets brought to light, and that light takes away the power that it has over us. This is where I think misconceptions run in about baptism. There's this thought that you have to be perfect, that you have to be in a good place in life in order to be baptized or in order to choose baptism, and that's just wrong. It's actually when you are most aware with the brokenness in our world and your life that you're most ready to receive God's grace and to face the chaos of this world. Uh, There's this gift of imperfection. Brene Brown's book is so good in this. Her title is Letting Go of What We Think We Should Be to Embrace Who We Truly Are. And Jesus' sacrifice for us, the journey he invites us into, gives us the invitation to do that. I look back to the AA community, and, and I, as I interact with folks who have experienced transformation through that journey, the 12-step journey, they're always saying, we're always in recovery. 
The church makes a huge mistake when we think we're not always in recovery. We're not always recovering from something. Because each of us experience in our own brokenness and addiction to something. An addiction to our own way of thinking. Our addiction to power. Our addiction to greed. Our addiction to thinking that we can change our own situation through our own self-sufficiency. There is a sort of recovery that we're always into. And Jesus modeled this so well with who he hung out with. Jesus said himself, I did not come uh, for those who don't think they're sick. I did not come for, uh, I'm forgetting the phrase right now. Sorry about that. But I did not come for those who don't think they need a doctor, but for those who do. Jesus never was upset with sinners, but only people who pretended they weren't sinners, who pretended that they don't need grace. If we don't fully face the chaos of our lives as Christians, we don't fully experience God's grace for us. We become judgmental because we project our own unresolved insecurities on everyone around us because we have not yet fully faced and received God's grace. Because if we had, we would know the grace and we extend that grace towards others. This is why I think the biggest uh, criticism of Christianity is that we're so judgmental. Is that because we often forget what we chose in baptism where we're not willing to go to this place where we face our own brokenness and can be at a place where we admit we're all on a journey of recovering. And if if we have that mentality, our posture towards others change. When we discover the boundless grace of God, like Paul was talking about, then we have the courage to face uh, our own fears in our life and the chaos in our life and the world around us. In our baptism, Jesus gives us the courage to face our chaos, to live honestly and with humility and courage. Act three, resurrection, new life, God making all things new. Now, it, would, it wouldn't make much sense to leave people in the water, right? <laughs> we wouldn't have a lot of Christians around today if we did that. That was a joke. You're happy to laugh if you'd like. But our... Our theology often stops there, doesn't it? Our theology about what Jesus has done for us is really transactional. Jesus died for you, he paid for your sins, and you're good to go. In most of our tellings of the gospel, there's no expression of the resurrection. Though that was the finale of what Jesus did here on earth. And baptism is so important when we come out of the water, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is not about a transaction that we receive from God the Father for paying for our sins. It's not just about that. It's about this new life of resurrection and transformation that we get welcomed into. A resurrection life. The good news is not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's about the transformation that comes when the Spirit indwells us and transforms our lives. When it gives us the courage to face our own brokenness. What happens when we have the courage to do that is it says in Scripture the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit dwells in you. The same transformational power is available to us if we're willing to surrender control, if we're willing to face our brokenness. There's transformation that can happen in our lives through the power of the Spirit. And that's the good news. That's the gospel for now and for eternity. It's not just someone paid for your sins. It's that there's transformation available to you in a life with God. And not just for us, for our world. If we're a community that remembers our baptism, we see the world through the lens of our baptism. We see that if we surrender to 
control to this good leader who wants justice and freedom for us. We can face our fears and have the power to transform the world around us through his leadership. The same spirit lives in you that raised Jesus from the dead. This is what Paul is talking about when we no longer live our lives through the brokenness in the world, but live our lives in God. My own baptism story, uh, I was eight years old, and I, I didn't understand all of this theological nuance, obviously. But I remember being, uh, my, the church I grew up in worshipped in a school much like this one, and the school happened to have a pool. I was eight years old. And I still remember to this day the deep joy I experienced in choosing Jesus that day. The deep joy I experienced that this practice, that this reality of choosing Jesus said a pastor's kid like me who was worried about what people thought of them could just let control of what happened over to God and trust him as a good leader. That a struggling young person like myself who was navigating the world and all the brokenness could give that to God and have courage to face what was wrong with me, courage to face what needed fixing and give that to him. I remember coming out of that water with such joy and elation to be a part of something bigger than myself, a part of the movement of God that wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago and a hope that we could have for the future, but something that was happening right in front of me. I was a resurrected God that was working in the world and asking me to join with him. I think as we remember our baptism this week and next week, we have to ask our few, ourselves a few questions. We have to ask what baptism means for our community. We have to ask, are we willing to submit control over to God as a community? Or are we going to go about choosing Jesus, but then go back to the temptation of just trying to fix our lives ourselves? Or just navigate through lives thinking that self-sufficiency is the most important spiritual gift that we can work ourselves into? Are we going to be a community that's okay with the brokenness that exists in this room, in our life? Are we going to be able to have honest conversations? Are we going to be able to be honest with each other about how we're struggling? Is there going to be no judgment zones that ex exist? Because there's no judgment in God's love for us. Are we going to be the kind of community that's just satisfied with the transaction where our sins are forgiven? Or are we going to press forward to participate with a God who's resurrecting this world? Is that going to be the identification of our community? Is that the sort of community we want to be? To close today, I just want to offer an invitation. You know, if you, whatever your story with baptism is, if it happened when you're a young child and that's a meaningful experience in, with, for you and you just want to affirm that, we want to come alongside you in doing that. If you want to experience adult baptism and make this choice for Jesus to identify with these things, we want to come alongside you in that. And if baptism's never been an experience that you've thought about or chosen or you've been scared about choosing, now's the time, as Stephanie said. We want you to identify with this Jesus. We want you to go on this journey with us of following this courageous and gracious God. Let me pray as the band comes up. Father, as we look towards celebrating baptism next week, God, I pray that you will remind us of all that that means for us. Remind us that we don't have to be perfect to choose that. 
Remind us, God, that we're always recovering, that we can trust you to lead our lives. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing in the world around us, how you're resurrecting the world around us, God. Give us courage to choose you again as we might have already or maybe just for the first time, God. God, we trust you. We celebrate what this journey means. In Jesus' name, I pray.